bread is a staple in most countries, Central Asia, Europe, Southern Africa, and a lot of parts of the Americas too. Why is that? It's because it's really easy to bake, combining flour, often barley or wheat, with water, and then sometimes adding some yeast. It is one of the oldest man-made foods. Some studies show that it's actually been around for something like 30,000 years, having been of significance since the dawn of agriculture, playing essential roles in both religious rituals and also secular culture. And you know what? We often use it as a metaphor. So whenever I pause, I want you to say bread. She is the breadwinner of the house. He's just trying to put on the table. Ukraine is the basket of Europe. Let's break. TV is the best thing since sliced. Yeah. Now you've all said it. You've admitted. You like your curry. Yeah. And I'll tell you what. There's nothing better for me than receiving a text from our neighbor, Shirley, saying that there's a wee surprise hanging on the fence for us. And sometimes it's a bit of rhubarb. Sometimes it is some of the biggest cajets I've ever seen in my life. But nine out of ten times, it is a freshly baked loaf of bread. Nothing compares to that. If I could capture that smell of freshly baked bread and put it into a deodorant bottle or a perfume and put it over me, I would have probably done that. We know that earlier in chapter 6, Jesus takes five loaves of bread and he feeds something like 20,000 people. For some odd reason, for the crowd being there, this isn't proof enough that Jesus could be someone remarkable. They want another sign. Something similar to what Moses gave them through the manna in the desert to prove who they think he is. A prophet. Maybe even the Messiah. Now remember that Moses, through God, provided this manna for something like 40 years. They had to be sure that this wasn't just a once-off event. Jesus knows this. He knows the human heart. So he helps the crowd to connect the dots by giving them the first characteristic on his CV so that they might be able to better understand who he truly is and what he's capable of. The meaning of his calling, the reason for his incarnation, what he has actually come to do. He elaborates on this, and that's why we are going to stand still in this series with six more metaphors unique to the Gospel of John, so the audience can grasp the mystery that is Jesus. And he starts off by saying, I am the bread of life. Why is this significant? Why is that phrase, I am the bread of life, so significant? It would be wise to, for a few moments, just look at the Greek language. In the Greek language, the word Amy means I am. Echo also means I am. You can hear the word ego, I, in there as well. So often you would say, Amy, I'm hungry. We would often learn a bit of Russian or English in the Detroit household. So we would say, 
I am tired. I want to sleep. And you would either use Echo or Amy. There's no reason why you would use both Echo and Amy together. It would be a bit redundant. It would be like saying, I am, I am tired or hungry. Why is that the case? Why is it important to recognize that in our passage for today? Where else do we hear those words, I am, in Scripture? We're taking you back to the Old Testament, to Exodus 3, where Moses has this incredible encounter with God, Yahweh, the covenantal God, in the burning bush. And Moses is lost for words, and he doesn't really know what to do, because he's given this great commission, this task to go and liberate the Israelites. And he tells God, well then, whom should I tell them sent me? And God simply says, Tell them, I am sent you. Another good translation of that Hebrew is, I am who I am. An even better one, the scholar says, is I will be who I will be. So when they translated the Hebrew Bible into Greek, it's called the Septuagint. And they used these two words, Echo, Amy, together when they translated Exodus 3. So when someone heard Jesus say, I am, I am the bread of life, it would have given him a lot of authority. It was like Jesus was saying, that I am that sent Moses out to liberate and free the Israelites. I am in some way connected to that being. That trinity, the mystery behind that. And that is why it is important because this Jesus that we read about in scripture becomes that manna, embodies that manna as he is incarnated. The manna we know was only a shadow, an appetizer or a foretaste of the larger plan of God. Jesus keeps talking about food that will last, a sustenance that nourishes and strengthens us into eternal life, not just for this one. And so Jesus challenges the crowd to raise their eyes to see beyond the physical realm. Earlier he said things like in, in chapter 4, he said, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. During our session retreat a few weeks ago in Dunfermline, we discussed this question. We said, well, what does it mean to be wine poured out? Or what does it mean to be bread broken for the world around us? And you can imagine we had many different answers to that question. To serve the lost, the broken and the weary. Always a good place to start. Maybe the best. It gives us purpose and meaning knowing that the bread of life empowers us to become bread for others as we point them to eternal life. Being broken for others. There's a theologian, a scholar called Henry Nowen, and he puts it like so. He says, Our greatest fulfillment is giving ourselves away to others. I'm going to read that again. 
Our greatest fulfillment is giving ourselves away to others. Laying down our lives like Christ did. If you want to keep your life, you will lose it, says Jesus. But it's worth a lot more giving yourself away freely to sustain and help others. I love the message translation of Matthew 16.25 where it says, Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. In a very individualistic society, self-entitled world, obsessed, fixated, and preoccupied with self-indulgence, wellness of self, finding happiness in yourself, this almost sounds foreign. You want me to give myself away? Are you kidding? That's ridiculous. I owe nothing to no one. Jesus is saying, if you want to know what life is all about, give yourself to something bigger. Give yourself away to the kingdom. Becoming living bread, pointing others to the true source of life, which is Jesus. Jesus, in this passage, as manna, the miraculous bread of God provided and through which Israel learned to trust God's word. And maybe it's a question that we can wrestle with throughout this week or maybe in this day. How many opportunities to be broken for and with others go a-begging? Because we are afraid to relinquish. I love that word, relinquish, give away, pour out. To give everything we have. To cry and weep and feel the pain of others. To show empathy. To come alongside. Are you and I, are we still willing to be broken for the world? For the hurt of the world, the suffering? Or have we reached this point where we say, you know what, Lord, it's okay. It's fine. I don't really have to do it. Someone else will. Why do you think they asked the following question in verse 28? They say, and they ask him, Jesus, the crowd, what must we do to do the works God requires? And they've become so accustomed and used to the law in the Torah of Moses that everything they do is to earn salvation and a long list of things that they need to do or don't need to do to earn God's favor what must we do to do the works God requires and Jesus answered the work of God is this to believe in the one he sent to believe in the one he sent sounds too easy, too good to be true almost. But that's it. That is the bread of life. To believe in the one he has seen, Jesus. Anything we do, someone says, isn't work. It's a response to the work Jesus has already done. By inviting the crowd to believe in him, Jesus provides an achievable alternative to the hopelessly difficult task of law-keeping. They must do only one thing, and that is to believe in the one whom God has sent, 
Jesus. But they are focused on what they could or they should or must do rather than what God is doing right there in front of them. How often do we as Christians or as congregations forget that the gospel is a declaration of what God does? It's about what he's done and what he is continuing to do in his kingdom. For the one who comes to Jesus will never go hungry, says this passage. The other bread, it will fade, it will grow stale and moldy and eventually rot. Our works, what we do, is very temporary. But when we come to Christ, allowing ourselves to be fermented and to be kneaded and to be shaped by Him, He can work wonders. Jesus emphatically tells the people that if they come looking for Him, to spiritually feed them. They won't be disappointed. They will be filled to the brim, in and through Christ, where you receive the abundance of God. We receive the abundance of God. Only then, when we receive the bread of life, will we be able to withstand the heat of any other any heat source, and still be able to produce food that could feed and nourish Kirk Liston, Newbridge, South Queens Ferry, Broxburn, Uppel, Livingston, Edinburgh, and beyond. Winchborough. Don't forget Winchborough. It's only Jesus that will fill people. Only Jesus, Christ alone. Friends, don't be satisfied with the crumbs from the floor, I beg of you. The Lord's Supper is there for you. Invite others to come along. We know we've said this many times before, that longing and hunger to connect with God the Father is in every human heart. Let's point people to the bread of heaven. Lastly, in Jesus Christ, the bread also rises to overcome all that would keep us apart from God and one another and has overcome even death itself. The smell of freshly baked bread is coming from the kitchen table. As soon a breadcrumb trail will lead us out into the world to feed the masses. May we all be nourished and empowered by this gift of bread, this bread of life. May we rise and live out the unconditional love God bakes within us through a relationship with Jesus. May you today and in this week, when you take a bite from a piece of bread, or you're busy making a pizza at home, or whatever it is you put on your siabata or kiabata or chiabata, however you pronounce that, may you be reminded that Jesus is the bread of life, that he came to give his life for you and for me. And our only work is this, to believe in him, the one whom God the Father has sent for us.
His Son. May that fill you with so much hope. So much hope that you will relinquish and pour yourself out to others. Amen. Let's just pause there for a few moments of silent prayer. Maybe it's been a while since you've heard this message of God's goodness and grace poured out. Maybe you just want to imagine Jesus speaking to the crowd, saying these words, I am the bread of life. Maybe there's someone, a name or a face coming up in your thoughts through the Holy Spirit's prompting that you need to remind of this message through your kindness or generosity. Let's just spend a few moments reflecting and praying to God. Lord, will you feed us? Will you nourish us as the bread of life? Help us through our lives to be broken for those around us. May that which we do and say always point to you, that they might see our good works and honor our Father in heaven. All glory be to you forever and ever. Amen. Receive now the blessing of the Lord. May the time we spend together in your presence nourish our hearts and minds, God. May it strengthen our relationship with you and renew our commitment to live in this world as your faithful disciples. For you alone, O God, the source and sustainer of life. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen.